Hi, this is Jeff Ashkin in Los Angeles, California, with Roy Cole in Jersey City, New Jersey, and Derek Kessler in Yokohama, Japan. And this is part three of our discussion on our favorite artists of all time. Time for our number one choices, am I right? Yep. Yeah. All right, Wes. Who is your number one choice? Okay, so this isn't uh, by any means who I think is like the greatest or best artist, but this is um, the artist who I think has had the most uh, impact on me personally from a very young age. And uh, this is Arthur Rackham. It's a typical spelling of Arthur. The last name is R-A-C-K-H-A-M. He was an English book illustrator. He lived from 1867 to 1939. And he's most known for illustrating like fairy tale books and uh, like Grimm's fairy tales, Mother Goose, uh, a lot of different stuff. Um, but what I know him, uh, my mom had this, uh, I don't know if it was a reproduction or like an actual 1930s edition of Edgar Allan Poe's Tales of Mystery and Imagination, and it was illustrated by Arthur Rackham. And uh, it's like so different from and so wicked compared to everything else he illustrated up to that point. And um, uh, it's just like amazing. And actually, and it kind of actually ties into um, Kara Walker's artwork a little bit because he did use a lot of sort of black ink on a white background illustrations with like uh, lots of like silhouette figures. But um, like, I mean, just everything about this book is so fantastic. Like the covers is like this guy running from a demon on the back of the cover. There's like, just like these demonic hands like pointing at him and like a pile of skulls. And then you open it up and like, what's that like? Like the paper that's just inside the front cover, it's just like this pattern of skeletons coming out of coffins, like tiled, um, like an Escher artwork. Um, but every illustration is like this, uh, like this, got these beautiful line work um, in ink, and it's just, just so wicked and. Um, can you repeat the name of the book one more time? Uh, the, the name of the book is Tales of Mystery and Imagination. And it's a bunch cool. of, it's a collection of Edgar Allan Poe's stories. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I remember like looking at this book as like just pulling it off the shelf as a young kid and just being med- mesmerized by all these like sort of horrific Sometimes horrific, sometimes beautiful scenes. Um, uh, and I, one thing I remember is uh, there's an illustration for the murders in the Rue Morgue, and I don't want to spoil it for you, but uh, there's like the body of a woman is like falling out of uh, falling out. It's like a, I wish she just like on the floor or something. But I remember like as a young kid, I was like, oh my god, her titties hanging. Um, of course, I didn't have those words back then, but um, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just like, it was just like mesmerizing for me as a kid. And then um, and then when I 
like everything about his artwork. Like he sometimes he, he labels the drawings or put his name puts his name in the drawing somewhere, like as a signature. And I even have a couple uh, fonts on my computer that are based on his uh, sort of calligraphic handwriting. Um, yeah, he, I mean, there's just so much, so many illustrations he's done that you can look up and they're all just uh, phenomenal. There's a lot of like illustrators around the turn of the 20th century that have these sort of similar but different uh, beautiful, meticulous uh, graphic styles. And he's just, he, I think he's probably hands down my favorite, sort of my favorite artist of all time. Yeah, cool. that's what I got. No, very cool. I like, I like, uh... Just looking at some of his work as you're describing it, uh, I think it's pretty cool that you chose him because my third choice is, I guess, kind of similar, um, maybe stylistically or uh, not, not, not the same, but, but I, you'll see what I mean in a second. I mean, I prefer, I, I wanted to say, kind of like what Jeff said, there, there are a lot of artists that I wanted to include. Um, like uh, Vermeer and uh, Renoir and uh, a lot of artists that I have a lot of respect for that are, I mean, kind of universally regarded as, as um, the, the greats. But um, for my third choice, I want to choose something that kind of represents something, someone a little more modern, someone a little bit more current and someone who represents my coast. Um, so I'm going to go ahead with um, Mr. Yoshitaka Amano, Japanese artist. Um, so I guess my gateway into his work is the fact that he did the artwork to Final Fantasy VI, which, if you're listening, uh, is my favorite video game of all time, as well as Roy's. Bok Choy Roy. That could be a song. What? Bok Choy? <laughs> yeah. Like... Just as a rhyme for Roy. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I'll probably cut that out. Um, <laughs> really, no, really funny. Okay, very unexpected uh, uh, callback. <laughs> Continue, please. Uh, good point, Jeff. Um, <clears throat> so, anyway, uh, Yoshitaka Amano has a very interesting. Uh, another idiosyncratic artist, you'll notice if you look up some of his work, you'll see what I mean. Um, not that he's the same as Arthur Rackham, as uh, Wes was describing, but I think there's some similarities um, you can note just by the way he paints his characters and his scenes. They're, they have this kind of uh, fantasy look to them. Uh, his use of colors is is very interesting. Um, the way he paints characters' faces is very unique. Um, the way he paints, like, uh, just the way he uses like um, curves and and like points. It's it's hard to explain, but like if you see a lot of his work, you get you can like instantly get an idea of like just his style and and how you know there's the sim the commonalities amongst his artwork. And um, in addition to doing, to doing the work for Final Fantasy, he's also done a lot of art for other famous um, 
works of literature. He's done art for um, The Magic Flute by Mozart. He's done art for The Tale of Genji by um, Murasaki Shikibu, which is like the oldest novel. Um, and uh, a lot of others. Uh, he just uh, have some of his work in uh, collected in a book. And he, he's he's got more than just like, He's done more than just like video game art. He he has a pretty wide range of um of, of subjects that he's covered. So um he's definitely one that I've liked ever since I first saw his work and uh still follow even to this day. Can you repeat his name? Yeah, Yoshitaka Y-O-S-H-I-T-A-K-A. That's his first name. And his last name is Amano A-A. Sorry, A-M-A-N-O. Okay. And can you repeat the name of the food that rhymes with my name? That would be bok choy. So if you wanted to write... <laughs> and how do, you, how do you spell that? <laughs> B-O-K-C-H-O-Y. Okay. So I got it. Asian spinach. Yeah, right. but but that doesn't. If I say Asian spinach, that doesn't rhyme with Roy. Right, so, and if no. you were thinking of writing a song about Roy, but like the, like the koi rhyme was already tapped out, you know, you could, you could work in something about bok choy. I could still fall back on bok choy. Yeah, or or toy, you know, toy? Or, or what? Uh, or to power. or toy. Yeah. Well, toy, yeah. Or... No. Okay. okay, moving on from this. Um, <laughs> Uh, who's next? Roy? I think you yeah. Sorry, I was thinking of uh, the Goy, which is like okay. a Jewish uh, pejorative again. Okay, and uh, never mind. Um, okay, so uh, my number one is also a photographer, like the previous one. Um, his real name is Vladimir Milivojevich. But he goes, he's more commonly known by the street name Boogie, B-O-O-G-I-E, which is much easier to remember than uh, uh, Vladimir Milivojevic. Uh, he grew up in Serbia, uh, but I guess at some point he moved to uh, uh, New York, to Brooklyn specifically, and he first became well known uh, because... He somehow managed to get access to uh to the gang scene in Brooklyn. Um kind of like uh remember that movie City of God, the with the the young journalist who who yeah. um, gets all yeah. the photos of the gang members? He basically did that in Brooklyn. Like somehow they, they kind of accepted him uh into their culture. And so his first famous book of photos was a book of photos of of gangs of like the most hardcore street gangs in uh in like Bed Stuy and and Bushwick in uh, in Brooklyn uh, in the United States and uh, yeah it, it's just really um, amazingly realistic um, no censoring no um you know nothing held back uh, lots of photos of um things like people with needles in their arms um you know pointing guns at the camera um so so not for like the the faint of heart i guess but just uh you know nothing like the typical photos 
you would see um on like cnn or, or anything like that and uh yeah it's just it was that kind of street photography is like my inspiration for doing photography is kind of to capture those moments i don't have access to to uh any of those gangs to, to take photos like that but uh but i'm just always um amazed that they're able to capture these these um what do i call them it's like no world that I would ever have access to normally or or that m- most people would ever have access to um but but somehow this photographer gained access and he takes you know very like perfect like proficient photos very technically accomplished photos um but then also photos that that nobody else could really get um so so that's how he became big but then uh you know he's expanded and he has um like series of photos from um from Bangkok from Kingston Jamaica uh from Serbia right, uh from Tokyo he has one series on Tokyo and um you know it's it's all meant to capture um kind of the, the way of life in, in these particular locales um very raw you know not um raw in the sense that you're not getting a view of, of like the nice part of life it, it's photos about the the daily struggle of life um and uh yeah every photo has a story um i guess every painting has a story <laughs> but uh i i like how every photo has a story and um he has a website uh, his website is um artku.com that's a r t c o u p dot com uh so that's actually where you could look up um his his photo series uh but that that's like um that's probably my biggest inspiration uh when i do photography is this guy very cool very cool i'll check him out i don't think i heard that name that is cool i'm always like impressed uh, by people who can like put a photograph together because i just can't i there's like a <laughs> There's a there's a guy I worked with. He's a Japanese, and he's on Instagram as Takumi two zero four six. And his photo- his uh, photographs are always like really badass. And uh, uh, yeah, I just like I am just like why don't I take good photographs? Mm-hmm. There's definitely a lot more to taking a good photograph than I guess people who haven't attempted the genre before understand um there's a lot of ways to take poor photos it's interesting there's um yeah i read a lot of books on on, like composition um of photos and and what most of the really good (laughs) talented photographers say is um i think the way most regular people approach photography is like they go out with their camera and then they see so like oh that looks pretty and, and then they go to take a photo of it but like a professional photographer doesn't have that mindset they actually already have in their mind a composition that they want um and then they seek that out uh in much the same way that like a painter has some idea i th- i think of what they're going for when they're putting paint to canvas uh, the professional photographers have actually already thought about the type of shot 
the composition that they're going for before they go out with their camera um, and, and then they try to create that. So it's interesting, like the mindset is completely different for, for like a professional photographer uh, than just for like a an iPhone photographer. Interesting. All right, ready for my number one choice? Ready. Okay, ready. here we go. Now, I have to say, it was difficult to decide because I feel like this artist is becoming more and more and more popular. But as I'm going to uh -oh. say it. it sounds cliche. Uh -oh. <laughs> I think I know who you're going to say. I think I know who it is, too. Yeah, I'll probably give it away by saying that. And I'm, but I might as well just come out and say it. My cousin Vinny, Vinny Van Gogh. Vincent Van Gogh is my number one choice. <laughs> no, um, mm. Vincent Van Gogh, I know there's been a lot of movies about him, and I didn't want that to affect my decision. But in terms of inspiration and uh, in terms of color scheme, in terms of just in terms of leaving an impression on me personally, I had to go with him. I just, I do, I do really appreciate the difference the different type of painting he was doing. I love learning about the theory that perhaps his bipolar disorder influenced his painting. I loved, I loved just exploring Starry Night for the first time. And, you know, of course, the sunflowers and self-portrait. There's just something just so darn interesting about his unique style. And I, I can't shake it. I was thinking of someone else I could put for number one. But for me personally, I feel like there's just something very beautiful in his work that uh, that left an impression, which is funny because he's not an impressionistic painter, right? Huh? No? No? Okay, never. All right. That's it for me. Good night, everybody. <laughs> no, I'm just Jeff, did you see... Um, there was Loving, a... Loving Vincent? Is that... Not Loving Vincent. Uh, there, was a, there was one with uh, Willem Dafoe. Is it just oh, called yeah. Vincent? No, 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 no. That's the other one. That's... that's um, I saw that. I actually saw that one too, which I thought I liked. I thought it was good, but I really liked the one um, uh, "Loving Vincent," which is actually done in his style of painting. Yeah, that's animated, uh, right? I haven't seen yeah. that, but I remember seeing like a trailer for it. I'll look that really up real quick. Yeah, but Willem Dafoe is awesome. Sorry, go ahead, Derek. Are we talking? I'm sorry. That "Loving Vincent" was one of my favorite movies of of the last few years, for sure. Yeah, I'll have um, to see it. But Willem Dafoe played him um, in a movie called At Eternity's Gate. That's the oh, movie, okay. yeah. Which is also a very good film, and it really, uh, it was more about his relationship with his brother, Theo, and just this time in his life that I think is also very good with, what I liked though about Loving Vincent was that you get a new appreciation for his style of painting, and it, you know, just a good story as well. It's like a bit of a murder mystery, I guess. I could, I would even say, would you say that, Derek? Like a little bit of a murder mystery type thing? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the, the thing is, like, no one exactly knows how he died, and there are, right. there's a lot of speculation, but I like the way the movie, not only is it, I'm talking about Loving Vincent now, not only is it um, visually spectacular, but it has that um, kind of suspense in it, too. Um, right. it, it kind of explores its own theory as to how uh van gogh possibly met his end and uh it ha so yeah it's like it's visually stimulating stimulating but also has that um mystery to it and that's what kind of elevated it to me is more than just something fun to watch um right. just made a really really cool um movie experience for me 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, to see that on a big screen with all those, that type of color, I mean, I'm sure any artist would love to have their work on like a canvas that big, you know? So it's just interesting. Of course, the most important, the most interesting thing about Van Gogh while I, that I knew growing up was that sometimes it's, sometimes you hear that he sold one painting. Sometimes they, you hear he sold no paintings. And of course, you know, his work now is revered among, I guess, all the, any art critic would say that his work is important, but it's just interesting to know that he was so ahead of his time that he really didn't have any sort of career from it. But, um, you know, obviously. Interesting fact about him um, mm. is that he started painting very late in his life. Um, mm. I don't remember the exact age, but I think he died like his like 39 or so, mm -hmm. maybe even early 30s. Like he, start, he, he started very late it's not like he was painting since he was a child i i don't don't quote me on the exact age he started but it was i'm quoting derek he said <laughs> no you're right it was late in life but he uh he definitely he definitely um which just goes to show you you can start later in life you don't have to start as a child to be a prodigy um you can definitely start later in life and still be successful somewhat in the long term not maybe in your lifetime <laughs> Yeah, but also, when did he start? Twenty eight. Mm -hmm. So, oh so we're we're all past that as well. So, <laughs> so not not that late. You know? <laughs> there's a there's a cutoff. Thirty seven is the cutoff. So, there you go. Do you guys have anything to recommend this week? Um, I'd recommend. Uh, I'd like to recommend a movie that I saw recently, which is a Japanese movie, um, a classic of Japanese cinema. When most people think of classics, especially in the Western world, um, when we think of classic Japanese cinema, there's usually one name that comes to mind, which is Akira Kurosawa. Mm. And uh, this is a non-Kurosawa film. So do you guys have any idea what it could be? Is uh, it uh, Miyazaki? No. That's the other guy that I know. Wait, so you're saying it's a classic of Japanese cinema. I was thinking like like Tokyo Story or Floating Weeds. Hmm. Um, am I on the right track here? You are, but it's neither of those. Um, is it by that, that filmmaker? No. Uh, the ah. filmmaker is uh, Masaki Kobayashi, who's a director. Okay. The is that the guy who eats the hot dogs? <laughs> 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 Great. Oh, it's Kobayashi. Okay. No. Uh, it is a common name, Kobayashi, but um, yeah. unfortunately, no, I don't think they're related. Uh, the movie I'd like to recommend is Harakiri. Okay, yeah. Um, Harakiri, obviously referring to the act of a samurai um, cut, cutting open their stomach as a form of ritual suicide. And there's a movie uh, called Harakiri, which um, is about um ritual suicide but um it's um movie was it's from 1962 so you know it's it's from quite a while ago but i think it holds up extraordinarily well um the acting is incredibly realistic and you kind of it's kind of one of those performances where you forget that you're watching actors you know kind of like brings you into the film and uh i guess what i like about the film is it's you if you don't know what it's going to be about um you kind of 
um, it kind of like you you kind of keep guessing as to where the story is going and what the overall message is going to be, and it doesn't come it it doesn't become apparent until much later in the film, and uh, it, I think so. Like it's widely regarded as a classic, um, both in Japan and even internationally and internationally i think a lot of people like it for different reasons though i think a lot of people see it as kind of like this cool um romantic romanticization of um samurai culture and uh some of the themes of japanese culture which probably in the early 60s were very foreign to a lot of film goers at the time um, you know, there's these, it, the film's in black and white, but, you know, there's lush scenes of, like, cherry blossoms, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of, like, cool samurai katana scenes, and, you know, you're, you're, if you just, if you didn't know anything about Japanese culture and you saw it, you would probably, a lot of things would probably be surprising to you, and a lot of things would probably be confusing to you, um, without the cultural context, but, um, you know, the actual message of the film is kind of mocking uh, samurai culture. Mm. And um, if you don't know that, you kind of just walk away from the film as it being a beautiful representation of samurai culture and Japanese culture. In It takes place in the 1600s, so it's you, you're like, oh, it's a cool like history flick, you know? But it's actually, um, the director's intentions were actually different from, than that. So um, I think there's a lot of ways you can enjoy it. I think the, the cinematography of the film is very interesting. It's very unique. It has an interesting way of panning through scenes. You'll, if you see it, you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about. And um, it's got a really cool, really tense um, action scene towards the end. I don't want to give too much away. But um, really, the dialogue um, is probably, the dialogue and the acting is probably the strongest points and also just the the overall message so um yeah if you if you're interested in getting a look at japanese culture and hopefully if you watch the movie um not just superficially but also if you can read up about you know what's going on at the time in japan and kind of understand the cultural context of it i think it'll be a lot more meaningful but um if you're looking uh i know like you know a lot of people talk about seeing seven samurai and rashomon and um those classic Kurosawa films, but I think this is another film by another great director from the uh, same time period that I would definitely put on that level. Thanks for joining us today. Please join us next week for more topics. If you'd like to leave a message or comment or criticism, please email us at coast to coast to coast podcast at gmail.com. That's coast, the number two, coast, the number two, and then coast podcast at gmail.com. See you all next week. Thank <laughs> you.